Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now number one for podcasting. You're out here. From the Jethro's Barbecue Studios, now featuring Happy Mondays with two-for-one Happy CBD Cocktails, this is Des Moines Sports Station. 106 point. Here's Miller and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460. KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome in. Miller and Condon here on a Monday, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Trent Condon and Ken Miller, and we're with you for the next couple of hours talking sports with you. Thanks for spending some of that. Uh, morning hours here with us. BMW of Des Moines guest list uh, this morning, bottom of the hour. By the way, Scott Dockerman is on vacation. Normally he is with us on Monday, but Doc's on a much-deserved vacation. So David Eichel from 24-7 Sports. Uh, he will join us, kick things off. Uh, he'll do so at about uh, 10.35, uh, somewhere around there. Rob Doster joins us every Monday at 11.05 to talk college basketball from a national perspective, catch up on what happened last week, what potentially we may see this week. He's at 11.05. And then Nick, Nick Oson covers Iowa State for Cyclone Insider. Uh, he'll join us at 11.30. like to get him later in the show because T.J. Otzelberger meets with the media just prior to uh, Nick joining us at 11.30. So if there is anything to come out of that press availability, it'll be hot off the presses when he joins us about 11.30. Obviously, a lot of Super Bowl recap in the first uh, half an hour or so of the program. Drake goes down. Panthers go down. Clones go down. The Hawks a convincing win. We will touch on all of the four local teams uh, from this past weekend. But we begin front and center, Super Bowl 56. It is come and gone. Football for another season. Tremendous finish in that football game. Uh, Cooper Cup, Matthew Stafford stealing the show late in the game. And the defense, too, because Burrow... Uh, Burrow, uh, scored that, they scored that long touchdown. Yeah, they missed the offensive pass interference. I'll get, I'll give you that. Uh, but after that, there was really nothing that that Cincinnati offense could do. One more score. And I believe they would have been pr- uh, planning a parade in Cincinnati. TC joins us. He's not with us here this morning. A little too much Super Bowl for Jack Condon yesterday. So he's on the <laughs> shelf. Uh, and, and dad's staying home with a sick baby. How are you? I'm doing well, yeah. Got the mobile studio set up here, and that's pretty nice watching uh, just sitting in the living room and being able to watch the replay and all the highlights coming through here. So not a bad setup. Thanks to AD for filling in and running the board for us here today. But what a great game. And that really that's all that either of us asked for. Yeah, we had our bets. We had all those different things, and you had a future on the Bengals, and we talked about all that. But ultimately, we finished with a close football Mm -hmm. game. Not a great game. This is, I don't think, going to be – remembered in some of the great ones the 28-3 comeback and on and on and on but a well-played game a close game and ultimately the Rams they went all in and they get it done 
Yeah, and, and for the uh, for them going all in, Trent, they lose the 32nd, 64th, and 96th picks, which translates to the last pick in the first round, last pick in the second round, last pick in the third round, and they get to have a parade and a, a memory that will last their fan base a lifetime. So absolutely worth it what they did. Will, you know, it's a copycat league. Will this be the norm going forward, the teams, because they covet their draft picks? I mean, it's currency in the NFL, as you well know, and will they be willing to spend that currency in advance if indeed uh, they think that this gives them a chance. They brought in a quarterback. They brought in a one-time, at least, an elite pass rusher who, you know, admittedly and fairly, um, we got to point out, when he got there, he was injured and wasn't his uh, the same Von Miller that we saw later on in the season. But well, well worth it. Uh, so many, so many uh, aspects and tentacles of this football game to discuss. Uh, Sean McVay trying to establish the run that couldn't get it done. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. going down and really handicapping uh, that uh, the offense. Um, but in the end, it was Cooper Cup, and yes, he's going to rem- be remembered for those receptions. But it's the jet sweep on fourth and one, Trent, uh, that really uh, obviously prolonged that drive and gave them that opportunity to score the winning touchdown. Go to your best player, right? Every single time, sure. that's what you do. You go to your your playmaker, and he was outstanding in that final drive. The fourth and one decision, and it lingers in the back of my mind. Of course, we'll get into the last drive of the game, but after that knee injury to Burrow, remember right afterwards when they got the football back, they were running the ball a lot with mm-hmm. Mixon. Are we going to hear here in the next week or so or even the next couple of days that there's something not substantial, not a torn ACL or something like that for Joe Burrow, but some kind of injury to him because he just never looked quite the same. And it's something that lingered there as they were going through that final drive and maybe the decisions on the third and fourth and one, what they died. Well, the third one particular was just atrocious, Trent. I mean, for starters, Mixon's not in the game. I mean, it's Samaje Pirine. Um, and, and Mixon standing over there on the sidelines, which was just, you know, a head scratcher. The fourth down, that was, it was, a, it was one of the game's best players making a play on, on fourth down and Aaron Donald. Well, actually on third down as well. But I agree with you wholeheartedly. I did not like the play call on third and one. A great player made a play on fourth and one. And made a play on third down. Remember sure. who made that tackle? It was him. Yep. Held P. Right now, why, why didn't, isn't he running harder? I mean, we can get into all that, but. Ultimately, you're right. Going back to Odell Beckham, though, and just the change there. And, and Skoranek, who we remember the big catch that he had yeah. at Kinnick Stadium a few years back for Northwestern and then ended his career at Notre Dame. Boy, he was bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was just a bad, <laughs> bad, rough day for him. He didn't have a whole lot else. It was Cooper Cup, and that's the way they were going to make it done. And that run where he just cuts back at the right time, if he kicks perfect. that thing outside, he stopped. Yeah. And, and it's more, I mean, there's less than five minutes left, but. It feels like it's maybe over at that point. Sure, but he gets seems it, he like cuts it. it at the right time. And then the throw right afterwards, a couple minutes later, just an absolute dart that Stafford threw there. And they've shown this highlight. I, I think I've probably seen it mm-hmm. now 20 times since last night. And just the linebacker, the safety that's right Trent, in front of him. Trent, you missed it by an inch. It, yeah, it just it's a perfect throw at a perfect time. Mm-hmm. And that's why you go and get Matt Stafford, right? There are times that are head scratchers. There are throws that you say, boy, what was he seeing there? But it's a million-dollar arm. He's got the million-dollar mm-hmm. arm, and he made the million-dollar throw right there mm-hmm. to get the first down, keep the drive going, and ultimately get it done. Cooper Cup, the MVP? Yeah, I don't think there's any. I mean, 
if Donald would have got a sack on that last play as, a, as opposed to a hurry, <laughs> right. would have that changed it? Well, no, you know what would have changed it, Trent? The votes are in at the two-minute warning. So that third down That's stop right. and, and, the yeah. four, and the fourth down play, they, they didn't count because the votes had to be in. Um, look, I'm with you. I think Cooper Cup ultimately is the, is the MVP, but Aaron Donald's the two plays he made. Now, he had a – was it Gaines that was in on the play or Jones? What, somebody – on, on the third and one, the P. Ryan tackle, yes, it was Donald, but there was another Ram that was in on the tackle. But it was all Donald on fourth down. But the vote had already been uh, the vote had already been turned in, and Cooper Cup so deserved. You you made the point when he made, when he made the cut on the jet sweep. It was perfect timing because if he takes another step, I don't think he converts, and, and then who knows what happens. Uh, the drive prolongs, obviously. The officials get involved late in the game. I, I, the first penalty was, um, it was, look, it was, the, the, first of all, on the, th- on the third and one that they ultimately called Logan Wilson for holding, which, uh-huh. eh, yeah, look, the, the entire offensive line jumped. The center did not snap the ball <laughs> and the entire offensive line jumped. So instead of, you know, third and whatever it was, you back them up five yards. Who knows what happens, but they missed that. Uh, here's my question to you. And, and again, I had Cincinnati. And I'm not killing the officials. I'm not. I thought that they let them play, which is what you want. My question, and I don't think that I saw any Twitter or any blowback on this. Jamar Chase was not touched. On that on that fir- on that long pass uh, that uh, he beat Jalen Ramsey in the first quarter to set them up for their field goal instead of being first uh-huh. and goal at the four, it's first and where they put him back to about the eleven. Uh, he wasn't touched. I'm I'm, I'm right. incredulous. I mean, I'm positive that there was. Would it have made a difference? I don't know. For the most part, I thought they let him play. They did miss a couple of calls, but uh, I don't think the officiating's the story of the football game, which on a Monday following the Super Bowl, that's what you want, right? You don't want um, one call or one egregious miss, and there was some. I mean, come on, Jalen Ramsey uh, on the long oh, touchdown yeah. pass. That's clearly OPI. He was face mask. He was pulled out of the play. They missed some on both sides, um, but it's a tough game to officiate. I like the way that the officials let them play. Ultimately, they decided it. I thought the crew did a good job of that. Yeah, there are individual calls that you look back upon and say, and they missed this one. Even the offsetting penalties after it looked like Cooper Cup had a touchdown a little earlier. The hold and, and then the, uh, yeah, the, the um, uh, was it unsportsmanlike conduct or unnecessary roughness on, uh, was it Apple? Yep. I think it was the, that who was I, I, whoever hit Cup at the back of the end zone. Yes, unnecessary roughness. Yeah. So, again, you kind of a couple ticky-tack things, but overall, I was happy with the officiating mm-hmm. overall. And in a season where it feels like we've had a lot of Monday conversations yeah. about officials and getting their nose into it, you're right. They let them play. Ultimately, that's a good thing. We're talking about dudes making plays. And that touchdown by Cooper Cup. Go back and watch that thing again. The and final touchdown? More... Yes. It's okay. not the standard back shoulder throw that you normally are used to seeing where the guy, you know kind of what they're doing. He had his footwork on that play. is one of the most incredible things Mm -hmm. to go back and watch. And I saw that a couple of times last night, just seeing his ability to shove off with the left foot, turn his shoulders Mm -hmm. with it, and just get enough separation there to be able to get clear of that one. It was a thing of beauty. He's the MVP. He has put together now the triple crown season for receiving yards, catches, and touchdowns. Super Bowl MVP, most catches in postseason history. Mm-hmm. This is a dude that was undrafted. I mean, that's Trent, just, he had one offer is, out of high school. He had one offer, Eastern yeah. Washington. That's it. 
I saw his rival profile. Didn't even it. have a picture up. Not even <laughs> not even a picture of him yeah. up on his rival's profile. It just this is great ammunition for every single coach out mm-hmm. there. Everybody going through high school football right now, junior high saying, "Look, you don't have to be a star. You don't have to be great right now. Just go in, yep. do the work." And after the game they asked Stafford about that play, play and that throw to Cooper Cup and he said, "That's hours and hours of mm-hmm. work together, understanding just that little bit, that little nuance." of getting the separation and making the play there. I think it's great. I think that's going to be something that coaches everywhere are going to be using. Without a saying, doubt. This is the kind of work you have to do. Yeah. This is what you can do, and you can become you can be a Super Bowl MVP like Cooper Cup is. Yeah, no, he was. I mean, Stafford had a, he had a couple of interceptions uh, in the football mm-hmm. game that probably prevented him because, you know, they, they leaned to the quarterback. Although, you know what, this is what the second um, Edelman, Edelman was a Super Bowl MVP, was he not? I think yep. he was. Super Bowl... Was it 50, whatever, three years ago, somewhere around there. So they do find the receivers every now and then, but um, as far as giving them the uh, the MVP vote. But, man, all in all, a pretty good game. Want to go here with you for a minute before we get back to the game. I'm 63 years old, right? Yes. I loved the halftime show. I you loved did. it. I was absolutely so – I sat down, Trent. I thought, this is going to be brutal. This is going to be br- – uh-huh. I had no idea what Mary what, – I couldn't name one song, one word of what Mary J. Blige ever done in her life. Um, I uh-huh. thought it was phenomenal. I thought it was absolutely incredible. I liked it a lot. Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre, Eminem, of course. And then I didn't know why he was kneeling. I didn't know that until afterwards when, you know, uh, obviously he put two and two together and the league asked him not to do that. I thought it was a terrific, terrific Super Bowl halftime show, and I went into it expecting the worst. And, and man, that'll be one that, that a lot of folks think is the best of all time. There's been some good ones. Uh, but that was pretty damn good. That was music of my youth. That is what I grew up with. Those are my dudes. Those are the guys that I love listening to. I, I remember for Christmas when I was 12, 13 years old, and I asked for the Snoop Dogg CD for <laughs> yeah. Christmas. And my yeah. grandma, she went to Sam Goody in Mason City, oh and she my, picked it up, awesome. and she said she went in there, and she asked for that Snoopy Doggy Doggy, <laughs> and she got it for me. So grandma got that for me. It was the music of my youth. I absolutely enjoyed it. And, but I said, as we were watching <laughs> it last night, and my wife and I are, are just you know, shaking a leg in here and having yeah, a good time yeah. and just going through memories, and it was it was outstanding. But I said, oh, I'm going to guess Ken hates this. <laughs> I, I, that was, <laughs> and my wife just starts laughing. But it was so enjoyable it was. for my generation. You know, for, for people in their 30s and 40s, it was. Yeah. Well, it's also something where I felt really old afterwards because I remember the times where my dad or my uncles or whoever would be watching. I said, man, this stinks. Yeah, mm-hmm. what, what is this? Mm-hmm. This is not good. And my daughter, she said, boy, this is not good last night. She's six, and it, it didn't hit her, but it hit us. It was an incredible performance. Eminem was outstanding. Yes. I couldn't have liked it much, but I'm so happy to hear that you enjoyed mm-hmm. it too. That is a surprise to me, but I'm glad to hear that because yeah, there was negativity. But I was also surprised to not see the sheer volume of negativity I anticipated seeing online from the older group. We'll mm-hmm. just say, you know, yeah, the people no, in their fifties and sixties. Yeah. My, my mom texted me. She said she loved it again. Not music of her era. She's right. in your era, right. and she enjoyed it too. It was well done. Not as good as Prince, but certainly no. in the top two or three for me. Yeah, I, I'm with you. What about the commercials? Did it, did any of them stick with you more than the others? Uh, the one was the Larry David one. That was where perfect. he's yeah. going through. Yep. Yeah. And yep. It, it, it the was wheel was Larry first David. of all. Yeah, this wheel, that'll <laughs> yes. never work. 
Right. And Larry David's one of my all-time favorites. Curb Your Enthusiasm is probably mm-hmm. one of my, certainly in my top five comedies of all time. I'm a big Larry David fan. I think that hit him perfectly. It explained it well. That was a long commercial. Mm-hmm. I watched the extended two-and-a-half-minute cut again afterwards. Oh, did you? Yeah. It's a long one. Yeah, but it was it was good. Ultimately, though, again, had a six-year-old and a six-two-year-old running around the house yesterday, so didn't get deep into the commercials, weren't able to hear everything real well last night. Going to have to lean more on you for the commercials. Anything jump out to you? Well, the, the one I didn't understand, because I never watched The Sopranos, uh, I didn't watch a, a single okay. episode of it, so I didn't understand the you whole You didn't par- watch The Sopranos? No, I didn't, and I, I don't know why, because it seems like something I would be into, but for yes. whatever reason... Um, I, I didn't, uh, so I didn't understand that one. There's a moment in the Uber Eats commercial that I don't think is getting the, the play. Gwyneth Paltrow, do you know that you know the candle, the, the, the fragrance of candle that she invented? Do you remember that story uh-huh, from this yes, summer? I do. So she's in the commercial, and she's holding up that candle, and you can see the V and the A, and then the rest is covered up. But I think that got over wow. so many people's head, and I don't mean to come uh-huh. across like, I caught it, what were you guys? But it was just different, right? I thought that was priceless. Uh, that one was good. Um, the, the uh, oh, the oh my God, I can't think of his name. It was a movie. Um, oh, God. I'm not uh-huh. a movie guy. Austin uh, Powers, right? Is it Austin oh, Powers? yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, Austin Powers, yeah. That yep. was pretty good. Uh, that one wasn't bad. Um, there was a Doritos one with all the animals. I like that in the woods. Yeah, with the yeah with the um, right. With the, they all come out and they start Flaming eating the Doritos. And, right, yeah. right, 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 yeah. right. That was good. I didn't understand in the beginning what I was watching when this thing kept bouncing around the screen. And I guess that's an old video ah, yes. game because I never played uh-huh. a video game in my life. I, I truly didn't. Maybe one. Maybe once. I, I should say I probably played once. Um, and and then it's the during, the during the pandemic when you go to a, go to a restaurant, you had to put your phone into it. And it, it was, I don't <laughs> technology yeah. in me. I, I sound sixty three sometimes, but when I talk, when I watch the the, the halftime show, I sound like I'm younger. Uh, but that I didn't I didn't understand that at all. I thought that was a waste of money. Uh, but overall, I thought the commercials were okay. I thought the halftime show was great, and the game was terrific. What more can you ask? It's a great Super Bowl, and now, well, I'm sure no, you saw don't the be going there. Don't be killing me. Yeah, this is the worst. A lot, worst, a lot of worst days time. before we get to see football yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Let's get Anthony in here. He'd like to opine, and we'd like to have him. Hello, Anthony. What's on your mind? Well, it's funny they put all these commercials in the same genre of the 30 and 40 year olds. I mean, there was one with the the Jim Carrey and the cable. Yes, guys, yes, yeah. It was really good. That was excellent. It's funny because all these commercials that you like, not all of them, but most of them were all directed toward 30 to 40 age group. And it's really, it was. Yeah. I mean, you go back to the Austin Powers and you go back to all these other ones, but that barcode that you're talking about that was bouncing around, mm-hmm. actually, if you used your phone, you got $15 towards Bitcoin. Really? <laughs> yeah, that's what that was. So did you know that prior to that it was going to. So used to seeing those barcodes, yeah. you know, scan them, and you get stuff. So I bid it, and it pulled up. If you signed up for it, you get fifteen dollars towards Bitcoin. That's not bad. That that's really interesting. Um, I, I did not know that, Anthony. Thank you very much. I I appreciate the phone call. Did you enjoy the game as much as the commercials? 
I wanted the Bengals to win it, but yeah. it was a good Super Bowl. It was. Anthony, have a great week. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. you listening. Good to talk to you. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't know that, or I would have tried to do it. It's, First, go ahead. Well, it, it's funny that uh, that happened because I was up in the kitchen, and we can see the TV in our living room from there. Yeah. And I see that commercial happening, and I see the QR code bouncing around the screen. So I get out my phone, and I go up to scan it right as I did. The commercial ended, so oh. I didn't get there in time. So I do the same thing as Anthony. You see one of those things, and you scan, and something's going to happen. So I went to do it. I was just not quick enough to get down to the living room and able to snap the shot and, uh, and get the QR code. But 15 bucks off, whatever crypto. So you going to get into crypto now? No, this is something I'm, that's I'm got not. you excited after all those commercials? No, but you, I, I don't know what it is. Um, but I, I'll say this. It must be a big deal because they crypto companies spent gazillions of dollars yesterday on this Super yes. Bowl. I mean, yep. huge, huge money uh, on the Super Bowl. So obviously it's a thing of the future, but... Um, and you know, I don't think I'll be dabbed. The other one I liked, and I I saw it over the weekend, so I I I kind of it was kind of a spoiler situation. Um, the the uh, the mind reading Siri, or was it Siri, or is it uh, who's the yeah 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 yeah, yeah right? Um, that uh-huh. was pretty good with Scarlett Johansson, her husband, who I think's on SNL. Um, yeah, I thought that was pretty and, good and commercial. I've... I saw that one earlier in the weekend. So I did I'd too. already seen that one or at least right. a piece of it. So, yeah, I thought that was pretty good and yeah, mind reading and understanding exactly what it was. And she's got the high hand over her eye as she has the pirate patch and yeah. she's going through and doing her acting. And he's just like, hey, Colin Jost is the guy's name. Yeah, that was pretty funny too. Thought it was well done overall. And, you know, in years past, it feels like Super Bowl commercials have been kind of flat mm-hmm. recently. Feel like they took a, at least a, a step forward this year. Yeah, I did too. Uh, I, I'm with you, Peyton Manning, who was in one of them. Uh, I think it was Le, the the big Lebowski or whatever his name is. They that I mean, what what can't Peyton Manning do? Right? He right. it's unbelievable. He's as good an actor. Well, maybe not. He's a Hall of Fame quarterback, uh, but but right. but pretty damn good. But I'm I'm keep going back to the Gwyneth Paltrow with the candle. That's not getting <laughs> That's the play great. that it deserves because if you don't know what I'm talking about, search your scented candle. I don't want to say it on the air. Not. That I don't think I should, but um, I just won't. Jeff is with us. Jeff, how are you? Good. Hey, uh, real quick, I like Brooks a lot in that Nickelodeon uh, commercial as well. I think he's, I think he's uh, really yep. funny. Um, but I want to go into Sopranos uh, commercial real quick. So um, you didn't watch the Sopranos, Ken, but that intro is usually when Tony Soprano when they're starting the show. That's like the drive-in intro. So that was his daughter kind of going through the same route. Okay. And then. So I'm taking it this way, and I didn't read this, but this is how I took it. You didn't watch, but so the last episode, the whole family's eating dinner, and the show goes dark. And so people uh, didn't know if, if they died, if they got murdered, did they survive? So I took it as she got to the same restaurant that they went to, and then they brought back his son, and then so the daughter and brother hugged, and so I took it as they survived, and they're going back and they're eating dinner. So I'm putting kind of two and two together, but I'm thinking because that's how the directors kind of wanted all of us to think, are they alive or are they not? And mm-hmm. they never see the movie. So I took it that way. So I'm kind of just taking a full circle. I don't know if I'm right, but that's how I took it. No, I could see that, Jeff. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Uh, I, I, I could see that. Um yeah, I wish I would have seen it, Trent. I just did. I just didn't watch. Did you see Halle Berry at f- so five o'clock? The coverage comes on, um, and, and yep. they did a. I don't know. It was probably two or three minutes with the Super Bowl in L.A. I thought it was terrific. I really did. I thought what what I, a great open. I was watching golf. I was. Oh, were you locked in? 
to the golf yesterday. Didn't watch much of the Loyola U and I matchup because I was well, the game the stunk. Yeah, the game stunk. Yeah, and Cantlay was uh, was my due, so it was going, and that was a problem too. It goes to a playoff, and I watched the first playoff hole. I'm like, I got to get over here. We got national anthem. I, I got. Are you, are you telling me that the golf wasn't there? over when the Super Bowl started? No, no, it was still going. They played You're the first playoff hole. I think it got done at five twelve, maybe five thirteen, something like that. The first playoff hole, they tied there, and then I didn't watch any more. There were two more holes after that before uh, it finally ended. But yeah, wow. it had to go to. I would guess at minimum five forty, probably something like that. Kickoffs happened, and they're still out there playing golf. It was a great golf tournament. Big names at the top. Yeah. Of course, he got the 16th hole. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was watching live on Saturday when the hole-in-one happened. I was flipping back, back and forth between that and the Iowa State game. So I was deep into the golf this weekend. So, yeah, I didn't see hardly any pregame. In fact, I didn't see any pregame today. At the Iowa game at one, you and mm-hmm. I game at three. I got into the golf. I was locked into that. So pregame this year for the Super Bowl, it was non-existent, basically. Mm. I didn't even realize, Trent. I I, I didn't. I was on uh, I was on the Panthers and Loyola, but when the game was, I mean, there wasn't much of a game. Uh, Panthers no. didn't have much of an answer yesterday for Loyola, who put it to them. But yeah, uh, the the Halle Berry stuff was was terrific. Just the the Super Bowl being in Tinseltown, uh, that whole type of thing. I thought L.A. probably. Um, passed with flying colors their Super Bowl experience. I, I really did. Not the, the fact that the you know the home team won. Um, just just I, I I didn't see a lot of things that went wrong. Usually there's you know the day after the Super Bowl for those people in the Super Bowl city there's a list of you know things that um, that went wrong. Maybe it was difficult to get into the stadium or whatever. Hadn't seen any blowback uh, on SoFi as far as it not it being an inadequate uh, uh, setting to host. Uh, a world championship like they did. Yeah, exact same thing. And, you know, hearing some people that were at the game, not just, you know, the national people, but also on the local level. And I saw a couple of things where people very concerned, obviously, L.A. traffic. I, I think mm-hmm. we all know about the difficulty <laughs> yeah. of that. I think because of it, people understood, hey, I'm going to try to get there earlier than I normally would. Even if you don't have plans, I had a big tailgate party or anything like that. Just want to get there early. Even getting out, I heard people say, uh, Bill Simmons on his podcast today, him and Cousin Sal, they mentioned that they were both at the game getting out there, nervous about getting back, and they said they were able to get out of there quickly too. So good to hear from that perspective because that was the big thing. I know a lot of people were concerned about going in. You see the stars. You see the pictures that were popping up there. It was a great locale. And we Mm -hmm. get Vegas coming up here in a couple of years. Now, this is no Jacksonville. No. Not New York in the cold. <laughs> no. None of these things. It's. I think we're going to see a lot more Super Bowls in L.A. going forward. And I think this is the first L.A. Super Bowl since, what, 1993? It's been a long time. We're looking at almost 30 years yeah, since been, the last time that they had it out there. I, I don't think we're going to wait that long before we see it back in L.A. again. No, I don't. I mean, I think, uh, look, for, for me, if there would be a rotate, because I think Vegas is going to crush it. It's the strip. and. Yes. To me, being in a Super Bowl city that has there, there's one, you don't want it spread out all over the entire city, right? When the fan bases and both fan bases come to town, like New Orleans, everybody's going to Bourbon Street, right? That's where the party is at. The entire when you when you're two years from now when it's in Las Vegas, the party's on the Strip or downtown on Fremont Street. But when it's in a city like L.A. or or Miami or Tampa, where does everybody go? You know, you, there's not one. Um, 
um, destination in 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 the city for the for the most part, anyways. That you know most of the tourists go to. That's where the parties are all happening at. But uh, I think L.A. passed with flying colors. It really did. We got a good game. We had an incredible postseason. Just an amazing postseason. Now we go forward, and what does this mean for the Bengals? I mean, as you pointed out on Friday, when it seemed like you know if they don't get it this year, they'll get it next year. This kid's this kid's uh, career arc is going to be uh, amongst the best in the game. Well, tap the brakes a little bit. Dan Marino got there once and never got back again. Uh, what's more likely? Uh, I think that Cincinnati's going to spend every one of their draft picks and rebuild that offensive line. Uh, and I do believe that the Bengals will get back there. Maybe not next year, but I don't believe we've seen the last of them. How about you? I'm right there with you. Now, the AFC, we've talked about the difficult nature of it. Like, Patrick Mahomes is not going anywhere. Josh Allen's still going to be there. Maybe that was the Super Bowl that Justin we saw Herbert. when those two teams faced off. Yeah, and you got Herbert there and an organization like your Broncos, like the Steelers. It is a tough hill to climb. The, the Browns, with all the talent they have, now mm-hmm. they just got to figure out quarterback. And on and on and on, the AFC is absolutely stacked. It, it is. I think they're about to go on a run, Trent. Here. I think they're about to go on a yeah. run. Yeah. I think you can see that because looking forward, and if Aaron Rodgers goes to the AFC, who's left in the NFC that you're comfortable with consistently that's mm. going to be a winner? Because the Rams ultimately, they're going to be paying a price. Mm-hmm. The Super Bowl is going to cost them down the road, and there's going to be a rebuild that's in front of them. Might be two years down the line, might be three, four, but it's ultimately going to happen. San Francisco, yeah. like the organization, mm-hmm. do you believe in Jimmy G that he's going to be a consistent winner? No, I think he's out of there. Look through that conference. I think yeah, he's I, out of there. Dallas, are you confident that that organization is going to figure it out and put it all together? You just you look through the NFC right now, and it is a bunch of mm-hmm. meh. That's mm-hmm. kind of where it is, where the AFC is stacked with great quarterbacks, great organization, great teams. Yeah. You're right. I think there is a run coming here for the AFC. Um go go back to go back to the NFC. What 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 uh what quarterbacks are really left uh in that in that conference, you mentioned all of the good ones in the in the AFC, and you're 100 mm-hmm. percent right. But but go to the I mean, go go to the NFC in the in the quarterback. Maybe Fields. Maybe I mean I don't know. I I, I like Prescott Tyler? a ton. Who did you say? Kyler Murray. And no, Kyler I'm not Murray even sure he's in Arizona next year, Trent. There, there's exactly. uh, Chris Mortensen's reporting. There's bad blood amongst the team and amongst the quarterback. I, I, I'm not a social media guy when it comes to Instagram and Facebook, but apparently he unfollowed all of them uh, on on his two social media. I, I don't know what that means if it means anything. Um, Seattle Russell seems Wilson, as though they're was, yeah, yeah they're in a rebuild. Speaking of paying the price for what came before, man, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who the great quarterbacks are. Fields after Matt Stafford after Stafford we'll put Stafford at the top spot Prescott let's say number two is is Dak all yeah. right yep we got the top two in the NFC is Kirk Cousins third is Kirk well so we're assuming Rogers is gone right we right. know Brady's well, retired right yeah. yep. we know Brady's retired we think Rogers is gone uh is Kirk Cousins three is Kirk Cousins three. Again, we have questions about Kyler Murray, too. Yeah. I get that. I think he is. I think he is. Yeah, and, and, and take Russell Wilson off the page. Mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins is right now thinking that those guys depart the third best quarterback <laughs> for 2022 in the NFC, and Kirk Cousins, mm-hmm. I don't trust the guy as far as I can throw him. I can't throw him very far. 
We will uh, get into basketball when we come back. We will uh, talk about the Hawks, first of all. They had a just a blowout win. Boy, oh boy. I, 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 it's $18 million to buy out Fred Hoiberg. Don't you just have uh-huh. to bite the bullet? I mean, Sip, when we had him on, talked about all the uh, all the money that's being spent on athletic facilities. You still may have a question after the, this year on Scott Frost. I mean, he's his seat has got to be as hot as anybody in the Big Ten. But this Husker basketball program, Trent Inept, um, is is one of the first words that comes into mind. Hawks just killed them yesterday. It was domination. They were up, what, 36? Was that the number at one something point? Something like that, yeah. 30-something. What was it? Nebraska went on a 17-2 run, and they're still right. down 24 right. something. It's just, <laughs> to cut it. It was, acid. it was just, you're right, domination. Yeah. They didn't look like they had a clue. And that was the thing, too. He brought in a good recruiting class. He brings in a top 40 player nationally. Mm-hmm. You're like, all right, year three, this is the time that they're going to take a step forward. And they don't look like they have a clue. No, Nebraska. Say what you will about them, and we've I think all said things about Nebraska and the fan base in general. But they support their programs. It's yeah. not just football. They yeah. support volleyball, and yeah. women's basketball, baseball, men's basketball, and, and all the way through. Yep. But all of a sudden, people are not showing up. No. Nope. And when people are not showing up at those games in that beautiful arena that they have, that's a problem. So I think that's going to make it easier for them to swallow it and pay the eighteen million dollars. Mm. But that's the other thing, too. Where do you turn? They thought they got as good as they could get. They let Tim Miles go, who had taken them up certainly a level <laughs> yeah. and got them to a consistent winner at the very least. Mm-hmm. And there was the year, what, they went 12-6 and six or something in the Big 12 and didn't get in, or Big 10, which was ridiculous in its own right. But who do you get for that job? You going back to mm-hmm. Nico Medved? You know, you going that route and trying to... He wouldn't take that job, Trent. He wouldn't take that job. Nico Memphis, well, he, it, he wants a bigger job. What about Iowa State? Real quick, losing in overtime. Um, oh. You just couldn't afford to lose that game. Now they're mired in last place in, in the conference. TCU on the road tomorrow. Here's the good news, Trent, um, because it's, it's starting to look more and more like this is not an NCAA team. But with all those quad one wins they got, there is no longer a stipulation that you have to be 500 or more to qualify for the NIT. And I know it's a massive chasm between the NCAA tournament and the NIT, but it's postseason. Uh, and and I don't think that Iowa State's in a spot that if they get invited that they're going to be able to turn that down. You don't have to be 500, and 500 looks as though... Eesh. All of a sudden, that might be something that may not happen. I mean, they still got a little bit of a, a pretty good cushion, but they are not playing well right now, uh, to say the least. Brockington is going to get his, but man, oh man, Caleb Grill, good God. 32 minutes yeah. and he's 1 of 12 and 0 for 9. Kuntz was incredible early in the basketball game. TJ looked like, you know, a rocket scientist for putting him in the starting lineup. And then it just went bad in that second half. I don't know if they're on fumes, but boy, oh boy, oh boy. From being unbeaten in the non-con uh, to the dismal uh, conference season that they're having right now. And I get it. You're playing with house money at this point when you didn't win a game last year. But the, the expectations were built up to a level that, you know what, maybe this isn't a mirage. Maybe this team does belong. No, that's not the case, is it? Not at all. You know, and you look through the 3-9 and nine conference record, and yeah, there are ones that you could point to, what if? You know, the Kansas game, certainly the first one down there, the missed goal 10 call, mm-hmm. there's all of that. But 
What if Texas Tech had a full complement of players? That's just it. Yeah. That win that they got, right. you know, go, going back to early January, we're talking about a team that's two wins now mm-hmm. in conference play. 16-9 overall, you could still pull out of it. Even if you go 3-3 three and three during this final stretch, you're fine, right? Yeah, you're two fine. 2-4, you got a I chance think. going. Yeah, you got a chance going to Kansas City, but you got to find wins. And TCU... It's a winnable road game. All three of the games that you have on the road, excuse me, two of the games before Baylor are both winnable, TCU and Kansas State. You can win those. You can stack up a couple of wins Mm -hmm. at home. It's not over, but I think you said it right. This team is on fumes. The depth that they lost before the season, losing Foster, Mm -hmm. losing Johnson, Mm -hmm. uh, that it's really impacted this team. And then you don't have Andrew Luna. And have we found out why? No, you know I keep we keep going back to Trent when he had that the device that muscle relaxing device when he was using it yes. on his body on the there has to be something there. Anyways, we're a ton late. We'll get more into that with Nick Olson. He's with T.J. Otzelberger in the press conference right now. We do have to tell you that I believe this is the final week for the keywords. Final week this week. Uh, KXNO still looking for its first winner. There's been a bunch in the building, but sadly none of them on this frequency. We'd love to change that. Obviously, thousand dollar slam dunk time. Go to kxno.com right now. Enter the keyword family. Keyword is family. kxno.com. David Eicholt next on Iowa Miller and Condon or uh, underway on a Monday. Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3. A good idea. Back to Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. All right, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. We're ton late. Let's get right to David Eicholt as we opine on the Hawks. Catch up with uh, with uh, Hawks as they just pounded Nebraska yesterday. Michigan, Ohio State. Michigan Thursday, Ohio State on the schedule Saturday. David Eicholt joins us. David, Trent, Ken, thank you for coming on. Boy, the Hawks have found their offense these last couple of games uh, on the road at Maryland, putting up uh, north of 100 and then just under 100 yesterday off. Defensively, this team is clicking. Hey, always good to be talking to you guys. Appreciate you having me back. But, no, you're exactly right. I, I think Iowa switching Jordan Bohannon back to the point guard spot has been a really big boost for the team. I think Bohannon clearly is feeling himself, feeling more like himself than he has, I think, all season. And I think the numbers reflect that as well. Keegan Murray, I would anticipate, is going to be at least co-Big Ten Player of the Week with his ridiculous efficiency. Yeah. Uh, this week as well. You know, I think there's a lot of bright spots this week, but again, it's sort of a grain of salt type of thing, right? Like Maryland and Nebraska, Iowa took care of business. It's good to see the half-court offense get back uh, into stride. I think it's been a really good thing to see Peyton Sanford getting mm-hmm. more minutes. I think that, you know, I asked Fran about that yesterday, and he said, look, he, it's not that he was doing anything wrong. It's just they have so many guys. They want to play, you know, Aaron Euless more. They want to play Tony Perkins more minutes. They want to play Chris Murray more minutes, and Peyton just sort of got the short end of that rotation a few times. But, you know, I think over the last couple of games, I think he's been a very big resurgence for Iowa. I think he's going to be a key player going forward. But I, I do think there's plenty of things to take away from this. But I do think that also emphasizes a lot more the games this week. I think Iowa has to split at least Michigan-Ohio State uh, to really, really feel like that this team is hitting its peak and stride at the right time. Because the reality is, guys, Iowa can struggle in January, December. Uh, but it really doesn't matter until this point in the season over the next couple of weeks. Got to get a quad one victory. That's certainly a big hole in the resume right now. Indiana could get there, and 
Steve Alford still uh, screwing the Hawkeyes over as his uh, Nevada team beat Utah State <laughs> oh, over the no, weekend and knocked they? them down out uh, of the quad one. Yeah, Steve Alford, he bites again. <laughs> Disappointing, no doubt. You mentioned Bo Hannon, and the assist numbers haven't been outstanding by any means, but they're just something about the offense that feels like it clicks a little bit better, that it's been at a different level here. I ultimately, before the season, thought maybe this was going to happen, but like you said, it wasn't a Joe Toussaint problem. I didn't think Toussaint was a problem. It just feels different out there. Is this sustainable, though? It was against Minnesota and Maryland and now Nebraska. The schedule gets tougher. Is it, how much more difficult is it going to be in your mind for this group to play at this level offensively with Bohannon back at the point? I mean, even with Bohannon back at the point, I mean, the reality is Iowa putting up 50-plus point halves. I mean, that's just not realistic, yeah. I think, at any level in, in college basketball. Uh, but I do think that it's exactly what Iowa need. I think you look at the previous three weeks before the last two games, Iowa's half-court offense was struggling, guys. I remember we talked about that when I hopped on last. Uh, you know, and again, I don't think it was the Joe Toussaint problem. I think at times the ball was stagnant uh, on the perimeter. I think at times it was just relying on one side of the court. And it was a lot more one-on-one ball instead of team-oriented ball. I think it's due to a variety of reasons. Again, I don't think it's a Joe Toussaint issue as well, but... With the way Fran McCaffrey's offense works, I mean, Iowa needs to have perimeter threats, and they have to rely on just passing the ball and move and working it around. Uh, I think you look at the assist numbers of, you know, in the Fran McCaffrey era, that's when Iowa's at its best, we ball versus me ball. Uh, I, I think mm-hmm. Chris Murray getting his stroke from three-point range. Keegan, I think, is really upping his draft stock, guys. I mean, I think before the season, a lot of people were talking about him as a potential first-round pick. We're talking about him as the top 10 pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's from multiple scouts I've had the chance to talk to. And with Keegan continuing to, you know, improve his three-point ball, uh, guys, I mean, he's, I think he has a really, really big chance to be a top, top 10, maybe even the top seven pick with the way he's playing right now. Uh, but I do think if Iowa can just continue to have perimeter threats, if Peyton Sanford, I think, can continue to get more minutes, mm-hmm. uh, I do like where this team is trending. But, again, I think the real test is going to be uh, Michigan and Ohio State, especially since they only have a one-day prep with Ohio State. Yeah, that's a great point, and you're right. I, a split would be you'd sign for a split right now and not even have to think twice about it. You've, you brought up Sanford a couple of times, uh, David, in our in our conversation, and I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, he has, I don't want to say coming out party, but you know he's he's a freshman, right? And it's, it's not you don't expect these guys to just come into the Big Ten and dominate. Uh, but the more minutes he's getting, he's proven that he's up to those minutes. You're right. Right, McCaffrey's got a problem as to how to delve out all, all of the minutes, but man, oh man, Sanford's making a big case to get, you know, what did he get, 16 or 17 yesterday? That's probably, I would think, what he should be at going forward because he's got a role on this team. You know, and I'll say this, too. What really impressed me about Sanford yesterday is, guys, he led the team with eight rebounds. I know. I mean, he's always been yep. a good rebounder, I think, but if he can emerge as another rebounding threat for Iowa, that's going to be huge. I mean, Iowa is 14-0 and this season when they out-rebound opponents. And that's what, again, we've talked about that all season long with Iowa struggling, especially early in the Big Ten play. They need guys to step up. And, you know, I've kind of floated this idea around. I like what Tony Perkins brings to the table. But if we're talking about offense, guys, I would really like to see at some point this season. I don't think it's going to happen. I'd love to see Peyton Sanford start at the two spot. Mm. Uh, I'd love to see Jordan, Peyton, uh Patrick, Keegan, and Phillip as a starting five out there. I still think you need to keep Chris on the bench just because he is that sort of scoring threat off the bench, and every every team needs that. But, you know, I think, you know, Iowa lacks a lot of top-tier size as far as seven-footers. But, I mean, 
Peyton Sanford is another six foot eight guy. He's got length. I think he's improved defensively. I still think that's a big question mark in his game a little bit. And Perkins really brings that sort of energy to the table. But I'd really like to see uh, Peyton Sanford eventually, you know, start in that. Whether or not he plays twenty five minutes or not, I'm not right. saying that. But to start the game and to get off to a hot start, Iowa just is so much better uh, when they come out and really dominate the first five or six minutes. You know, and I think Robracha, he's finally understanding that role that he needs to play inside, what he has to do. There's some big bodies in the Big Ten, obviously, but feels like he is uh, coming into his own here in his final go-around, understanding the, the struggles of the Big Ten that he's going to go through. And, oh, by the way, he's hit his last five free throws. Hmm. <laughs> no, yeah, I think that's a very critical point of his game as well. And, you know, again, I, I think it comes back with Robracha. I don't think it's a confidence issue. I think it's just an aggressive, aggressive mindset. I think it's no secret that when you watch him play, when he really looks for his shot early in the game, he gets one or two to go. He's just so much more effective defensively. He's so much more active on the glass, and he really can make things happen. And there's a certain energy, I think, about him. And he's pretty, you know, I don't want to say an overly emotional player, but, you know, he does get pretty hyped up on the court when a big play happens. And I think that, you know, when you have a steady, mellow guy like Keegan who really doesn't show a lot of emotion, uh, you kind of need those guys to really kind of hype you up. I think that, Jordan Bohan's obviously that. I think Phillips been that at times this year. Uh, I think there's a couple other players that can really step up into that role. But, you know, like you said, I think Phillip continuing to get better. I think if he can have 20 to 25 minutes, you know, grab grab eight rebounds, score eight to nine points, I think that's all you can really ask of a guy in his position. And if you continue to get that sort of production from Chris Murray off the bench with 12 points, seven boards, I mean, you know, I think Iowa's going to be in a pretty, pretty decent spot to hit their stride late in the season. Uh, last thing for me, David Eichel, we certainly appreciate having you on, as we always do. Uh, Kevin Casper's uh, kid, Kyler, uh, Iowa made the top ten. Where do they sit? Are they in a good spot with him? He certainly, I mean, he can go anywhere he wants. Some of the biggest, uh, Georgia, Ohio State, Notre Dame, yeah. Oregon, Miami. Uh, it's, a, it's an incredible list. Where, who's the favorite right now? You know, I think there's a couple teams that are really making a mark. I think right now, if I had to guess, Iowa's probably in that top three. Okay. Look, I mean, there's no, it's no secret that I think LeVar Woods was the first uh, non-family member to hold Kyler Casper as a baby, so the connections there run about as deep as you can ever ask for. for <laughs> really? <a group. laughs> but, but like you mentioned, I mean, I think Iowa's in a really good spot if, you know, Xavier Wampa is recruiting him, and mm-hmm. I've said this on my podcast, Swarmcast, that Kyler Casper is the most important recruit in 2023. You talk about a revolutionary type recruit, not just for the offense, but if Iowa wants to continue to, you know, establish itself on the West Coast, Kyler's got that personality to really recruit guys. And, I mean, it comes back to when Iowa landed Wampa and we were talking about dudes recruit dudes. And that's how you make up big recruiting classes. Kyler can have that same impact. I think Iowa's in his top three. I'd also look at right now Ohio State's going to be there, Oregon, uh, Notre Dame probably, and and UCLA I think would be a reasonable Mm. top five at this point. David Eichel, 24-7 Sports, Hawkeye Insider. Great stuff, David. Thank you, as always, for doing this. We appreciate it. I always appreciate talking to you guys. Take care. Have a good week. Yeah, you do the same. David Eichel, uh, Hawkeye Insider, 24-7 Sports. If you missed it earlier, the keyword for the 10 o'clock hour was family. One more to go here in about a half an hour. We're in the final week of the keyword promotion here on all the iHeart stations throughout the country. We'll be back. Wrap-up hour number one. Rob Doster, uh, Trent, and I will talk college basketball from a national perspective. Nick Osen on Iowa State. Before we get out of here at noon, it's Miller and Condon, and we are on Des Moines Sports Station 106. 6.3. Friend for free. Back to Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM.
right, Miller and Condon, final minute of the first hour of the program. Rob Doster kicks off hour number two. College basketball from a national perspective. How about Rutgers, Trent Condon? What a role they are on, right? Jesus. And yet... The computer numbers, not liking them very much. I, I saw the net is still down in the 90s. Ugh. It is it just piled up victories, I guess. But those quad three and quad four losses mm-hmm. that they have on the resume, very impactful. And it's going to be basically impossible for them to get there outside of, well, winning five of their last six and getting to the semifinals championship of the Big Ten. Don't see that happening for the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. But what a story. And the Badgers, oh, boy, that's yeah. that's a tough loss. It's one thing to lose to them. Out at the old rack, it's another to lose at home to that mm-hmm. Rutgers squad. So they're nine and five in the Big Ten. Rutgers is, and, and right now you don't you think they're up against it, huh? Yeah, I just wow. don't see. It. You know, we, I mentioned earlier we were talking Nebraska the year the Tim Miles and company yeah, went to six and didn't get in. Mm-hmm. So it, it, conference record alone doesn't tell everything, and I think you're going to see that certainly play out here for Rutgers. Twelve and six, even if they boy you get to. 13 and 7, still not going to be good enough, it doesn't feel like. We will take a quick break. Come back. Hour number two coming up. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 103.9.